Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jesus Christ, and I thought the voting in Eurovision was traumatic. Cha, 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 cha. That was good. That, that was, was good, really but good. You, you are worried about American listeners not getting that. There are so many things about our great country that I miss living over here, namely Thanksgiving and 4th of July, but Google Eurovision 2023 Finland. All you need to know really is that we've got problems with democracy on this side of the Atlantic too. Okay, I have a question. Hold it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. May 24th, you're having this show at the Soho. Yes. So it starts at 7.15. Oh, my God. Will you fly over and be our surprise guest? No. Hey, can I I ask my question? Yes, yes. yes. What time does does the actual last episode come on over there? Ah, well, this is in the week building up to it. So what's going to happen at the 24th at the Soho? David, any advice on how to run a live game of Boar on the Floor? (laughs) Be competitive. That's the important thing. You have to want to win. Coming up later, Butter My Bean Pole and Bon Chance, Franco. It's everyone's favourite C-suite, David Rashi and Peter Friedman. Ain't C-suite. Ain't C... No, I'm doing less singing. That's one of my new things. Remember less singing. (laughs) America Decides. How are you doing? It It was very unpleasant. In some ways, this was one of the most traumatic episodes of all time. And the reason being that these people whose outfits and haircuts that we have fun obsessing over every week, this week says, look what these people do to the world. Mm-hmm. So shall we begin with some brain dumps? Yeah, let's go for it. So first, Tom is correct about the far-reaching effects of caffeine. And you have some sympathy for this. I have some sympathy for this. This week I had a day where I slept a a semi-normal amount of hours last night and I feel like I just did a red-eye flight. I had that physical feeling. The physical feeling caused a downward spiral where I felt unhappy in my job as your wife and as a mother to my son. I was questioning my choices. I was getting very dark. You kept saying to me, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of tired, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling good. I eventually wound up discovering I accidentally put a bag of decaf beans into our coffee machine and it, it made me think that I could like abandon my own child. <laughs> Do you think that the cocaine that Greg gave to Tom was park coke? Ugh, I really had some, and I hate Greg. I've never enjoyed Greg. And the only moment I've ever felt sympathy for him 
was when he was being pressured to do cocaine. Not because I've ever been pressured into drugs, but when you pressure me, like Jeff has, a, Jeff likes to order a Pinkberry. Which is a frozen yogurt. Sorry, do you guys not know Pinkberry? Just think about people outside of London. Oh, do you always consider the needs of people? Oh, <laughs> yes, you see, do. he does this thing where he acts like he's a better person than I am. Anyway, Jeff gets genuinely hostile toward me if I don't also order a Pinkberry because he wants to feel I'm participating in the shared experience of the Pinkberry. That is what Tom wanted from Greg with the cocaine, even though I feel I'm going to be overdoing it if I have a Pinkberry and my red wine. All right, another instance of Tom being correct, as well as about the caffeine. He is right about bodega sushi being a problem. Because look at the trouble it causes. Now, I, I, I have never had wasabi in my eyes. I have, however, had chilli sauce on my penis with some regularity. Because of how often you eat Indian food and then how often you masturbate. I was thinking more how often I then go to the lavatory without washing my hands first. So there's been some transference of chilli heat from hand to penis. Yeah. Now, I've never tried LaCroix to cool down my penis from chilli heat. Um, but I... I did once know somebody in a similar situation who dipped his whole appendage and scrotal sac into cold milk. How did he get it into the milk? Did he pour the milk into a jug and then his penis and ball sack into the jug? I think a pint glass. I'm looking at one now and I think yeah, I think you could tuck the whole lot in a there. A penis and a scrotum should be able to fit into a pint pot. There's a certain amount of malleability. Um, what? A professional roller coaster... Adam Godley has been on. Did you know him instantly when you saw that face? Yes, because as much as Succession has made me cringe over the years, moments like Tom bragging about swallowing his own semen, um, nothing has ever made me cringe as much as the moment in Love Actually when the teachers join in with the performance. Even now I can feel myself recoiling, almost curling into the fetal position as, as I describe it. So in case you were wondering where you know Adam Godley from, and Adam Godley played Darwin the numbers guy. He was also one of the teachers at the school that Liam Neeson's stepson is in, in love, actually. And you see his face very prominently in that scene toward the end where that little girl sings along. Jeff hates that scene so much. I do. They're singing that Mariah Carey Christmas song. And I find L to the OG a less cringeworthy performance. Well, when I was in seventh grade, which is year seven... Our teacher, Mrs. Henderson, took a solo spot in a performance of Bette Midler's From a Distance. And it was like her whole life had been leading to the moment of standing up in front of a group of 13-year-olds and going, From a distance, the way... And I look back on it now and I cringe for her. And I know some people who are teachers and they report that this shit happens. On ATN, we we see a lot of the background of the offices. And I noticed, I don't know if it would have been um, Sid Peach's old office or Logan's old office, but there's lots of framed headlines on the walls like LBJ, shock departure, and fuck, although the fuck is asterisked out, EU, and a picture of Logan and Ronald Reagan that we've seen before. And all that I thought was there as a reminder to show how much influence this organisation that Logan built has had at key moments in history and give you a sense that this was going to be another one of those. And I also liked that Sid seems to have been replaced with a mini-me Sid. She wasn't mini-me Sid. You don't think she was cut from the same cloth? You hate women. You, you... <laughs> Jeff doesn't see women over the age of 45, so um, I'll be invisible too in one more year. <laughs> I genuinely think that's what you just did. 
Um, I think we need to zone in on the name Jared. Jared, as I understand it as a name, is spelled J-A-R-E-D or J-A-R-R-O-D sometimes. Sometimes it's G-E-R-R-A-R-D. That's Gerard. In American English. Uh, Oh, whatever. The point is, J-E-R-Y-D shows what? Mencken's parents are cunts. (laughs) If you give your kid an alternative spelling of a traditional name, they will grow up to be a fascist. You do a shitty spelling of a regular sounding name, it means you're a cunt and your kids won't be any better. Isn't Sarah typically spelt with an H? In my case, I was named for someone who also spelled it Sarah without an H. If Jared Mankin's parents were naming him for his grandfather, then actually you seem like very nice people and I'm sorry that your son is a fascist. So, knowing that this episode was going to be focused around the election, the thought did occur to me, oh, what about Connor's running mates? Have they forgotten to give Connor uh, a Veep candidate? And oh no, that was addressed in his speech. <laughs> mm-hmm. When he, when he conceded, the first one dropped out and the second one wasn't able to bear the weight of public scrutiny and then Connor <laughs> kind of blames them. And you saw Willa's face wince when, in his speech, Connor says the conheads are coming. Did she feel he was like inciting violence with that? Well, I ran the numbers. So typically in an American election, you get about 130 million voters these days. So what is that, a third of Americans vote? That sounds about right, yeah. Wow. And Connor was polling at 1%, which is 1.3 million. And if just 1% of those people crazy enough to vote for Connor (sighs) took to the streets, that would be 10,000 people, which is five times more than stormed the Capitol. Wow. I don't think that they're violent people. No, I don't think so. They might just stop paying the taxes. I thought that more than being a reminder of 2016, or more than being a predictor, heaven forbid, of 2024. This was really just a campaign against just for men. Hair dye. Oh, the the over-the-counter male hair dye. You're talking about Kendall. Because we, we know Jeremy Strong is graying. He looks gray and he looks hot in his grayness. So there's a choice that's been made to color his hair black. And his hairline looked awful. Yes, it's quite boot polishy. Oh, and it was like saying... Remember what these people are capable of. Remember real world consequences. And remember, do not dye your hair out of a box. Is there actually a positive message to be gleaned from this, which is even all the money in the world can't buy good hair dye for men? Do you know what? I think it's, I actually don't think that's it. I think it's that there's never a good way to go black. I learned that in 1996 the hard way. <laughs> Think about my skin color with black hair. Oy, oy, oy. I think the pinkish hue was probably working against the you. The pinkish hue was working against me. All right, last one. Has the actor who plays Kendall's driver, Fikret, has he left the show? So I know Kendall speaks to him at the end of this episode, but I feel like we haven't seen his actual face in ages. Well, it's not going to be a better place for Fikret now that Menken's president, is it? Do you think that the actor's agent hardballed? Because there's... there's a, a, when Kendall is negotiating his exit from yeah. Waystar with Logan, he says, I want to keep Jess and Fikret, which then the agent might have thought, here we go, renegotiations. Oh, shit. And they just turned around and said, no, I don't think so. And Kendall can talk like over the headrest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, leave your agent, Fikret. <laughs> and how are you feeling after all that? We would love to hear from you. Of course, we'll be here with Friday Sprinkles. You can email us. Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com some things I've been wondering about. Is it? Is, is there anybody listening to this? Do you have any sympathy 
for Roman in this week's episode. Oh, that's very interesting. In a way, maybe he's less despicable than Kendall. I don't know. I think I did have some sympathy for him, which I'm not proud of. Also, I'd like to know more about networks calling presidential elections. So I understand once the momentum's with a candidate, all the other networks need to to declare they can't be seen as being behind. But what's the precedent for a big network like a Fox News or a CNN getting it wrong? Right. That, that would be interesting to hear about. Yeah. I'll tell you what else would be interesting. Go on. With all the other distractions, does anybody have anything to say about Lucas Matson's pajama bottoms? Oh, they were just so chic and so cool. Well... Much better than him in his little tank top from last week under his big jacket, his big boxy jacket. Email us. Those are some possibilities of what we might be talking about in Friday Sprinkles this week. And we should tell them about our guests. I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating with this. I really mean it. I thought David Rashu was possibly the funniest person I've ever spoken to in my entire life. He was unbelievable. I was sort of just ah, like smiling and giggling the whole time. After we finished the interview, Sarah and I said... It, it's like he's the missing member of Christopher Guest's ensemble yes. who made all those Best in Show, yes. Mighty Wind, Waiting for Guffman. He's halfway between Michael McKeon and Harry Shearer. Yes, that's exactly where he felt he lived. And then Peter Friedman was so nice. And funny as well. Yeah, I mean, this is a very talented actor. So I don't want to be saying, da- you know, David Raish is so funny and Peter Friedman wasn't so funny. He was also so funny. They're living such wonderful and inspiring lives, you guys. I really feel that way. And I look at these two guys and I'm like, they're doing it right. That's honestly how I felt. Frank and Carl are our guests later. All right, let's get to the episode. I have to say it was one of the most stressful elections I have ever watched, despite (laughs) being fictional. And I say this as somebody who did stay up and watch the Trump election. I didn't. In my defense... I was the mother of a six-month-old baby with silent reflux. I said, look, all, all this is noise. It's the media. Hillary's got it. You go to bed. I'll wake you up when she's about to make the speech. So then I have to come in and wake you up. And, and I you said, say- good news is uh, the baby slept through the night. The bad news is... Donald Trump won the election. And the dark truth about me is that on that day, I couldn't connect to the grief because I'd slept for the first time in six months. So I was just physically ecstatic while the rest of the nation was crumbling. I thought we could go through and decide who had a good election, who had a bad election. Almost like good tweet, bad tweet. Good tweet. Should we start with Tom? Let's do it. So a great election for Tom. He found out he's going to be a dad. Oh my <laughs> he says, is that even true? I don't think that's him being dickish. I think that is him so far out of his depth that he's become accustomed to everything being a shot fired or an angle or a play. And that's now his first reaction to everything. Yeah. What about Shiv using as a sort of excuse, my father just died? That, that was sort of the thing she said. Before he said, well, it's sort of your fault. What about that got under his skin so dramatically? Why was he so unwilling to do the sort of mea culpa that she was the day after? Maybe because she's bringing it into play mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, and when it suits mm-hmm, her from his perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that looks really gross. Yes. It's a lot of pressure Tom was under. And the recent cocaine didn't... Uh... Didn't help him out either, did it? Kids, don't do drugs. Just don't do drugs. And that goes for you too, executives at news organisations. Yeah, listen, executives, don't do drugs. (laughs) Why would anyone do drugs? Here's my advice to people. Don't do drugs. 
And if you have to fuck someone outside of your marriage, it should be a stranger or a sex worker. World peace forever. Do you think that by ATN standards, Tom does a good job of election night, apart from the broken touchscreen? I don't think he did well, but people don't do well the first time. They need a second chance. Maybe give the guy a second shot so he does not another four. I don't think he's going to be there in another four. I mean, the knives are out. No. Greg said his phone was exploding with very important people who are very angry at him. <laughs> PGN were already running a story saying that ATN calling the election was Tom's fault. Yep, yep. Not good for his reputation. No. Especially if a period of civil insurrection follows. Right. Oh, Tommy. Tommy Wami. So a good or a bad election for Tom? I think it was a bad election for Tom. How about Greg? Good election for Greg. Especially given that he'd been out the night before with Matson. <laughs> Dancing with an old man who did not want to dance with him. Drinking something that was never meant to be drunk. I think he drank a woman's piss. Why do you think it was a woman's piss? This is my guess. Not the old man's piss. You know, it's like really healthy to drink your own piss or something like that. It's supposed to be like all these nutrients. But then it's, I would say, why are we like pissing our own stuff that we don't need? Drinking your piss, you're supposed to do like to save your own life in a desert. So why is our body getting rid of something that it would welcome in another context? Why am I talking like Jerry Seinfeld? Do you know what's, what's the, the deal with drinking your piss versus <laughs> eating your own shit? Do you think it's amazing that your mother doesn't drink her own piss? Yeah, actually. I think if it came out as a thing to do, my mother would 100% start drinking her own piss. Like, she'd, like, put it in her morning frittata or whatever. Well, we'll never know what it was that Greg was drinking on that night out with Matson. But we do know that Matson now has a nickname for Greg. He's Gregory Peggery. I don't like that nickname. I thought the little speech that Tom gave to Greg about information. Information, Greg. It's like a bottle of fine wine. You store it, you hoard it, you save it for a special occasion, and then you smash someone's face in. It was a great speech, but I think Greg knows what to do with information, perhaps even more than Tom does. Yes. You know, Greg knows what he's doing. I was wondering, though, was there any extent to which Greg fucked himself by betraying Matson or Shiv? I don't think so. We keep watching Shiv get fucked. Right, yes. So I think he made the right decision with what to do. It's so rare you get a Siobhan Greg scene. I know, it was interesting. Yeah, it was. And, and I, th I think that was perhaps the moment where Shiv fucks herself. This is the thing is that actually Shiv, she doesn't understand what a little smart snake he is. Mm. Greg wanted something. If she'd have made Greg the right offer, mm -hmm. he would never have told Kendall that she was in league with Matson. Yes. The other unusual combination we got in this episode was Jess and Greg. Jess said Dude, did you notice that? She goes like, yeah, dude. Do you think that there's an odd word in her mouth? There's something about the word dude that's quite relaxed. Maybe because she was speaking to somebody of her own age? Yes. And then I think the scene was there to show us two things. It was the episode in miniature, the way that these little tiny power struggles in this family are impacting society and the world. Mm -hmm. And what Jess was dealing with was that from the perspective of somebody of colour. Mm-hmm. So that was one purpose it was serving. And the other one was just to, to remind us how far Greg has descended as a character. Because certainly earlier on, there, there was some suggestion that he had liberal values. And now none of it matters to him. Was it like none of it matters? Or was there not a moment of self-reflection in that scene? I don't think that Greg was happy with having to do that thing. So good election or a bad election for Greg? I think it was a good one for Greg, right? Yeah. Um, Roman. 
is Roman's behaviour throughout this episode, and in fact the, the last two or three episodes, is it that his grief is playing out with him trying to be his dad, trying to Logan? Was he Loganing? Is he is he making his father proud today? Mm. When that phone rings at the end and he's got the president on the line, has he not been impressive? But Logan would have found some reason to call him a fucking idiot and explain why he'd done it wrong. But he fucking did it, you know? Shiv was willing to stab her brothers in the back to get her own little piece of power. And Ken was willing to stab both his siblings in the back to get his. Roman is willing to be in bed with this fascist. Because there's that line, remember, in season three, when we see Roman and Mencken together for the first time, and he goes like, because fascism is cool, but like, not really. Do you remember that line? He yeah, says no, something no, no, like I that. I remember that really so, clearly, So yeah. where is that So Roman had a conscience. of Roman. He had a, a twinge of conscience at that point that now seems to disappear. It does feel like that has disappeared now. Um, Roman was never more relatable than when he lied about going for a shit. I've lied about going for a shit before. A few times I've been out with people whose company I find so excruciating that I've been like, oh, I'm not feeling very well. And then I've taken to the toilet for a very long time. I used to fully believe it took adult men around 20 minutes to go and make a bowel movement. Because when I was a kid, that was roughly how long my dad would be gone for every time. Mm. I think he just liked that little oasis of calm in the middle of family life with these three kids. I get it. I think that's very, very fair. I was very interested in the... There was a guy, bald, but in a hot way, glasses, beard, who was on... He was like one of the Mencken staff. He opens the door to Roman when Roman goes over to Mencken's. And he was like a little bit hot in a liberal way. <laughs> I thought it was a strange bit of casting. So I was like, why am I fucking fancying this guy who works for a fascist? So, so do you think if somebody is a bit professorial, they're automatically liberal? I think I do think so. What about Jordan B. Peterson? Yes, I would guess that was a liberal. Is there such a thing as conservative face? There probably is. We've never seen Roman more belligerent. Is that the thing he's doing when he's arguing? False flag. Yeah. False flag. Oh, God. It's exhausting. Yeah. Would Logan have backed Mencken on election night? Well, we know Kerry wanted Mencken to be president, and what Kerry wanted, Logan wanted because he was construct. Construct. But undoubtedly a good election night for Roman. Winner. And just as it was empirically good for Roman, it was empirically bad for Connor because we, we know now that he will not be the next president of the United States. No, I know, but it just continues to feel like he and Willa are getting closer and closer. What would you rather have? Lunch in Vienna, dinner in Venice, or breakfast in Dubrovnik? Dinner in Venice, but I've never been to Vienna and I know next to nothing about Dubrovnik. But they're all great places. I'm not sure that Croatia's famous for its breakfasts. I could be wrong. Good breakfast is very, very difficult. An amazing pastry, sure. Like A pano. No more pano talk. I can't take it anymore. Oh, when Connor makes his little Alas Kentucky, Alas Vanity speech, uh -huh. did any part of you think that's because the ATN camera was in the room and he wanted it, it captured for posterity that he was gracious? That's very, maybe it did. I thought, you know, I thought he responded very likably when she, he didn't want to go fuck Kentucky. No, but he wasn't likable then when he went and made his speech on the TV, was he? No, but he was likable in that moment. But you think it was just all for show? And they really camped up the music in that moment as well. It was almost West Wingish. So given that you were just getting a bit misty-eyed, sentimental about Connor and Willa getting closer, is there a way in which this is a good election for Connor or do we have to call it as a bad one because he lost? It's hard. I think it was a good election for Connor. Okay. Kendall, here's what I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. 
here's how I think there might have been a development in Kendall as a character and not necessarily a positive one. Mm-hmm. I think up until this point, his pursuit of this crown, he's convinced himself, once that is on my head, any collateral damage, any harm that has been done in acquiring that power, mm-hmm. I, w- I will be able to do more good. Mm-hmm. I think that moment when he says, maybe the poison drips through, mm-hmm. he's giving himself a free pass and blaming the fact that he's Logan's son for some of the stuff that he's responsible for. That's not how I read it. Go on. I read it as um, Logan was a bad dad and how good am I possibly going to be able to be and how good will she be able to be without with me as her father? Yeah, so so he's, he's kind of giving him an excuse saying, well, what chance do I stand That's... up being a good dad and doing good with this blood no, in me? I didn't feel that about it. I felt it was like we know that being a good man is important to Kendall and that that's probably going to sway it. And as much as he wants power and as much as he likes this idea of having the president in their pocket and they keep Waystar and all that, he does want to be good and he wants to be this sort of fighter of justice and he wants to be a good dad and he's going to do the right thing. And then that betrayal from Shiv is too much for him to take. You know, I, I haven't been as moved by this show since Logan's death. I thought the moment when Tom comes in, and I can't remember quite what he says, but he says something to to Shiv, and Kendall says, you fucking watch it, Tom. And I found that as moving as anything we've seen since Logan's death. And it kind of, it kind he- of had echoes of um, his reaction to Logan hitting Roman, maybe. Yeah, just this real visceral protective response of his siblings. Speaking of his protective instincts, of course, he assigns a security detail to Rava and Sophie without telling them. Covert surveillance to show you care. <laughs> Would you like a security detail? I sometimes think it would be the worst thing about being a president. Yeah, I think it sounds really, really, really horrible. Michael Moore was some regular to come into the restaurant that I worked at in New York at the last place that I waited tables. When he was like making a lot of films, he would come in. And I remember going to a manager one time and saying like, I don't mean to be crazy, but there is a man on table 42 and the way he is staring out into space is like... I I actually feel like he could bomb something. It turned out it was Michael Moore's security detail, but they sat him like two tables away. And this guy was like non-blinking, staring at, you know, he looked like he was about to blow the place up. Okay, then. So Kendall might think he's had a good election. Maybe he has had a good election. I don't know. You're like ATN. You, you, You have to call it for Kendall one way or the other. Oh, God. I think he's had a bad election. And finally, Shiv. It's all her fault. I blame Shiv. <laughs> blame all women. Blame all women. The the most outwardly liberal. I think that she seemed genuinely disturbed in a way that wasn't just connected to power. Do you agree or yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was very good at faking one side of a phone call. You went, oh, when the penny drops. You knew she was pretending all along. I was like, I'm sure she's pretending about this. Because I think it takes a real pro phone call faker to actually dial a number and have the operator in your ear saying, the number you've dialed is Well, you seem service. to be acting. When was the last time that you faked a phone call? Have you ever faked a phone call in front of me? And do you want to reveal that to me now? I don't think I've done it in front of you. I think, I think typically I would do it in front of an Uber driver. I'd, yes. I'd have a one-sided conversation conversation that can go on for an entire 25 minute journey 
rather than have a real conversation. Oh my God, I had a car booked for me this week. And I'm extremely good at shutting down conversations that I don't want to have. But what threw me was that the driver was very handsome. And so I allowed him in. I was just so much fucking friendlier to him than I would have been if he hadn't been this like very noticeably handsome man. And I bring this up so that we can all remember, we can all go judging the Roys. But what do we really do when our back is against a wall? Because I was much nicer to a man and I listened to him talk about his sick mother only because he was hot. Do you think I would let that shit slide from a normal looking man? No. A hot man wanted to talk to me about balancing his overnight working schedule with his sick mother. And I listened because he was handsome and I would not have been nice to someone if he was not as handsome. You're worse than Roman and Mencken put together. What do you think Shiv sharing the news of her pregnancy with Tom means for the two of them? I don't know. She is alone and he is alone and she's pregnant with his baby. They've said all the terrible things and maybe it can bring them closer because she doesn't have her brother and she doesn't fucking have Matson. Maybe they'll get back together. At the funeral. Oh, yeah. Like he, he proposes when her dad isn't, <laughs> yeah. is sick in the hospital and then they reignite. Do you feel like she in this episode and the couple that preceded it has been out of her depth in a way that her brothers are not? No, I think they're, they're all out of their depth. We see them all make bad calls. And it's just that it fell to her this week. The bad calls in this episode were the double whammy of being caught out pretending to be on the phone to Nate and then not having had the sense to offer Greg something to buy his golden silence. Some of my other advice to the kids out there, other than don't do drugs, don't dye your hair black. And if you're going to lie, which I do recommend, actually. As a a prolific liar yourself. As a prolific liar myself, I really recommend lying to you. You have to game for yourself the worst case scenario. So if your lie gets found out, what would you say? And she wasn't thorough enough in what she was going to tell her brothers. Yes, that was bad, actually. It was very bad strategy from her. So do you think it's fair to say that even though we saw one of the siblings lose an actual election as a presidential candidate, the one who's been the worst for is Shiv? Yes. But Shivy, I'm rooting for you. I think you're a good girl in there somewhere. I'm sorry about your weird childhood and your weird mom. I hope you're coming out fighting strong. And I guess we'll get to see that weird mom next week. Lady Caroline. Always, always good. We would love to hear from you for this week's Friday Sprinkles, please. Um... Have you ever worked in a news organisation where the owners have got involved directly? That's good. They're probably not allowed to say, right? Probably somebody who used to, and if they didn't say what it was. I've got no experience. I've worked in a media organisation where sometimes the the boss would ring the studio, the radio station, and um, demand that his wife's favourite record was played. (laughs) But it's it's not the same thing as interfering with an election. Um, what else would we like to know? Which LaCroix flavour actually is best for wasabi in the eye? It's really just a tub of yoghurt. And uh, w- would Connor have fared better if he'd have asked Maxim Pierce to be his running mate? Those chops are just phenomenal. <laughs> the sideies. Is that what you call them? The sideies? Yeah. They really suit him. Let me look up that theme song. That Perfect Strangers theme song. Oh, yeah. Which decade was this? Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just got a feeling like you need some kind of change. They're cousins. 
is. What was it you said about not singing on the episodes? No, but I was trying to bring a little bit of color in zhuzh. And and for anybody who didn't recognize it. Oh, okay, yeah. So Marklin Baker was the star of the massive 1980s sitcom Perfect Strangers, and that was the opening credits. God, makes me feel young again. And coming up, this week's guests who also have illustrious TV backgrounds. Well, you know, I never watched Sledgehammer. I, I used to love it as a teenager. It's kind of a spoof cop show in the naked gun airplane mold. <laughs> oh. And I found it really funny. I feel it's one of these things they used to show about half past one in the morning here and nobody else saw it. But then when I looked up on Wikipedia, you used to get 19 million viewers in the States, which is more viewers than any show currently on air. Gets. I mean, those those figures are unheard of these days. And, and yet, yet, still, uh, and yet, David Rashi, who played Sledgehammer and now plays Carl in Succession, says he's never had a reaction to anything he's done from members of the public like the reaction he's getting from Succession. It's quite interesting, isn't it? And Peter Friedman, he was an actual Muppet performer. He was the back of the Snuffleupagus, more uh, on which, as you'll hear. Coming up, it's our guests, David Rashi and Peter Friedman, aka. Carl and Frank, the village elders. The Greys. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Did you two think that at this stage of your careers you, you would be on your way to being the new Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau? Wow. <laughs> That's a lumpy face. I don't know. You're sweet. Listen, Jeff, I'll be on your podcast anytime. You too, Sarah Barron, if that is indeed your real name. Indeed it is. And David, just to sort of sweet, sweeten that after my husband said it, I want you to know, Peter, yes? sorry, but this is, you know, we've got to go full focus on David for a minute. Oh, all right, please. I want you to know Hurtful. that um, one of my dear friends, Catherine, she's on the, the edge of her 50th birthday. We all went out to dinner recently and everyone is always talking about succession. And she named you as her hall pass 
in her marriage. You know what that is, I'm assuming. That means you're going to give me your phone number? What? <laughs> I mean, I guess I could. You're her number well, one guy Catherine, of yes. any possible guy if she's but allowed well, to step out of the confines of her marriage. Okay. She's reaching menopause. <laughs> she is reaching menopause. <laughs> she's not thinking clearly. And she has trouble with her eyes, always has, so she can't really see clearly. But despite that, I'm flattered. I think that that kind of humility and humor is exactly what Catherine is drawn to in the first place. <laughs> but I, I imagine Frank attracts a different oh, kind of Oh, that's okay, fan. Jeff. Forget it. Oh, <laughs> that, that's a segue. Oh, that was great. Jeffrey, thank you're you, good. Thank Go you, ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is, is it the older lady who enjoys Frank? Oh, great. <laughs> The Silver Surfer? Uh, I don't know the answer. Is that not a question for me, right? Well, the reaction that I'm getting from people, I've never had this before. I, I don't recognize it as anything. It's like people are on some sort of drug and they want to know what happened. And, oh, my God, I can't believe it. What do you attribute that to? It's a wonderful show. And, you know, I think I was talking to my son about this. I think the one thing that puts this above sh other shows of its magnitude, you know, Game of Thrones and Sopranos, is it is really about something. It's about the trouble that money causes, and it's about the dire state that our politics and our media is in. It's a comedy, and it's funny as hell and all like that, and it's interesting and it's addictive, but it's about something. And uh, Jesse is a very serious guy. I mean, he's a great comic writer, but he's not frivolous as a person, right? Peter, I'm so glad you're, you're articulate enough to say all that, because I'm not. And I, I, part of it, I think, is that it's almost like succession. It's, it's so much about the emotional interior life of people, which I think even other mm -hmm. good shows, with the possible exception of The Sopranos, no one else has done that on mm -hmm. this level. Is that something you got a sense of when you first saw the script? Did it seem noticeably different, or was it not until after the pilot was cut that you started to see it come together? No, reading, reading the pilot, as you know, but of course, it sticks in my mind when they offer a million bucks to the kid if he if he gets on gets a whole runner on base or something. And then wow! Pull the you know I went. Whew, I don't know that I've I've actually seen this kind of nastiness before. You know, it, it stuck with me on the page. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, every script, it's a it was a novel. We right. read a novel, right? Right, Peter. Every <laughs> ten days, it was, it was like, wow. And this season, I think his writing, I think that it is it is up one more with a kind of an intensity that is new and and i can't tell you how hard they work um jesse and the writers are late at night and jesse's there for every scene almost a, at least he'll see the beginning of it he watches all the cuts there isn't a line that gets by him he's got ideas they're in the room for months and it's a remarkable amount of uh of intellectual energy goes into this yeah. so it's not I agree. Like it happened overnight or not that you thought it did. I feel like you guys don't have to be doing Sudoku or any of that kind of shit to keep your brains sharp because of the the lateness with which you're probably getting the scripts and you then have to... Don't, don't you feel it's keeping you extremely mentally fit? I would say worried. Worried. <laughs> but, but okay, sure. Um, Peter, we know that you have a, a background as a... Jeff, you don't like it when you, I use the word Muppeteer. Oh, no, well, yes. you, don't say, you say Muppet performer, yes, right? that's right. So a Muppet, you were a Muppet performer. For... A little while. The six-year-old me, his head would have exploded to know that I was talking to a Muppet oh. performer. Who, yes. who is the more genteel character, Jim Henson or Jesse Armstrong? Wow. Okay. Could uh, I just so I don't, I get this one right? Could you just define genteel? Well, Jesse seems to have a real air of calm and. Mm -hmm. 
kindness about him that I would also imagine, and I don't know if this is me sanitising Jim Henson in my head, that, that Jim Henson would have had too. Yeah, a doll. An absolute tall doll. Very, very even. Yes, I'm sure he had his moments, but I never saw them. Every lunch was a working lunch, and he never stopped working from the moment he woke up every day. Talk to me about the breathability of the back of the Snuffleupagus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had just finished the first season of The Muppet Show, and they said it'd be 50 bucks a shot if you come in and do the back end of Snuffy every once in a while. <laughs> and so I did, you know, because I, I needed the dough. And uh, I had to put on these the shortest jean shorts I had. I like the implication that it was the 70s and you had many pairs of <laughs> jean shorts. Well, I just had to put on the coolest thing because I was going to sure. sweat like a Arthur idiot. Richard Hunt was the front end. And the high point of my career was when Richard and I had to skateboard on. <laughs> Does this smart, David? Did you read for the back end of Mr. Snuffleupagus <laughs> and, and not get it? I was, uh, I was rejected. Well, that's how you got Sledgehammer, right? I want to say the 16-year-old me, his brain would have exploded talking to Sledgehammer. Yeah, well, he's, he's a, uh, he'll make an ass of himself uh, in any... Never mind, that's the, that's okay. the rear end of the... Whatever. That's right. Thank you. Um, I always wanted to add with regard to the gentility of uh, Jesse Armstrong, although he is scrupulously polite and kind and deferential, I mean, he would say like, you know, I think, would you like to uh, perhaps sit down? You don't have to. No, no. But if if you would, I think it would be, although you would uh, certainly not, but would you, would that be good? I'd be, please, you, you know, he's always uh, uh, deferential, but the word that is uh, often associated with him is ruthless. With Jesse? <laughs> because, because because he is so able to kill his darlings. Now you've done it. Of course he is. You know? God, yeah, this I mean, guy. He, yeah, if it's good for the show, he'll he'll cut anything. You know, everybody says, oh, no, not that. Gotta go. Gotta go. Cut it. He gave us a little talk at the very end and said that, you know, certain people had certain unhappiness about maybe they didn't get to do this or do that or everything. But he said that we needed to know that everything he did was for the good of the show. It was in his mind. That's why you get what you get is because there's no one going, oh, I love that. You know, he is he is hard minded about all that. Peter and then David, what are your um Sunday night succession rituals? Turning on the computer. You watch it on your computer? Do you watch it when it goes out? Yes, because I, I use my um, stepson's password. He's thrifty. He's thrifty. He's stealing HBO. That's what I... Is that not what he said? The gig's over, right? I can say it now. And are you watching with someone or do you watch it on I, your own? I tend to watch it with my wife. Are you constantly looking over at her for her reaction? No, no, never. Is she a super fan? Medium no. fan? Or does she... No. What does she think about it? What would she, she say? She likes it. The first episode, she said, like a lot of people, these two people are horrible, you know. And finally, in the second season, you, you learn they're not horrible, they're pitiable. I think that was exactly right. Not horrible, but pitiable. That's exactly the way to say it. And we just had a friend uh, over yesterday, and she said exactly the same thing, that these people are too horrible. I don't want evil in my house. And then uh, gradually she became addicted to it. But, but but are you also using Peter's stepson's password? Good idea. I'll give it to you. <laughs> David, what are your, do you watch on Sunday night and with whom do you watch, if anyone? We do, I watch with my wife and we're there at, at 8.58, you know, uh-huh. and we watch the whole thing. Um, I was going to go back to uh, Sarah Barron, uh, if that is indeed, indeed your, real your real name. name yeah. And um, 
you said something about what does it take to make a show like this or what makes it special? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is nobody knows. If any, if anybody knew, yeah. they would do it. And Jesse didn't know. And no one knew that yeah. it would explode like this. And even when it was exploding, no one knew it would explode more. And just to show you how unconscious everybody was, after the first season, he said, David, you know, sorry, you didn't have more to do, but you never know. Might be another season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where he was after the first season, okay? What are his tells? Like, do you ever suggest anything, re your characters, and there's something that Jesse does that makes you go, oh, he likes this, versus something that makes you go, he hates my suggestion? Yeah, it's when he spits on the ground, right? Right there. Sure. (laughs) Classic. A gentleman's spit. It seems to be a, a spectrum on the show which goes from Brian Cox to Jeremy Strong in terms of method. The, the two of you, where, where do you fall on that continuum in terms of thinking a lot about the background of your characters and inhabiting them? Peter, why is that so funny? I, I wash my own shirts. I choose my own. No. I, um, I... It's so funny it, to me because during my entire career, research is the most fun, maybe more fun than doing it, actually. Sometimes you get so deep, you meet new people, you have new experiences. It opens up lots of doors doing research. And this is the research for being a CFO for the pilot I was fired at the end of. Um, <laughs> didn't take me very far. And since right. then, I've I've sort of been there. But I don't know that I've known... <laughs> Why? Do you want to hear a nice compliment that was said about you behind your back? Oh, okay. Who just came in? Whose wife? Whose wife just entered Mine. the vicinity? Mine. Great. <laughs> um, Lucy Preble, she went, nothing has ever been made worse by adding Peter Friedman to it. Wow. Wait a Isn't second. Let me get that. Nice? Let me get that. Yeah. That's one for the gravestone. <laughs> That's so sweet. That you just, just, they just put you in and everything's better. And then, wow. David, she said something nice about you as well. Let's yes. hear it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm we just We don't, don't have it to hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> D- David, did you have to do much research into being a sexual libertine with a low blood sugar problem? Wow. You know, a lot of what happened to us is that we discovered it along the way together, mm-hmm. you know, the writers and us. I think they had a big, long um, Bible, they call it, where they had a, a pretty extensive biography of most of the characters. Although the first day I was on the set and was, that sent me on my way, uh, I said, Jesse, who am I? And he said, well, you're a shark. So that was the beginning. So I knew immediately what world I was in. And uh, just the way things were structured, my way of working with it was it was more about emotional connections than logistical expertise in business you know it had to do with loyalty to um logan that's kind of where the direction went for me can i say i've never seen my wife feel more connection with somebody on the television than than i did the day that it turns out that carl constantly needs to be snacking oh that's nice i always i you know i've just got like a self-diagnosed blood sugar thing I'm always do, 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 do you have that to yourself david or did you have to really find that that was that was i think you know i just i wanted to do something and one scene and uh and so that was my choice and i think everything uh, proceeded from there good going you know, but but you know th- these guys are are so uh 
attuned to what's going on. I mean, I'm sure you know the story of Karen and Jay Smith Cameron. That whole sexual relationship was a some sort of goofing thing they did. I think even off the off camera, and it got on camera, and they saw it, and one thing led to another. It became a major strain in the show. Can I ask you for off the top of your head recollections? If I give you some of the locations, yeah. we'll start with Italy. Italy, the spa that we were staying at in Tuscany was German owned uh-huh. and there was there was something funny about it that way but it was very clean the next town over was an old roman spa and there i was standing over a pool where the roman soldiers used to wander in and go in and dip in you felt like a centurion yeah and it was such a beautiful place he'd say he's taken us some marvelous places well we wanted to ask about the yacht next was it your first time on a yacht of that, that magnitude. magnitude, or had you been oh, sure. on one previously? Yeah. These are the guys have been on a schooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> canoes, canoes, maybe. Yeah, but, canoes. So, yeah, the, we were basically on only two floors. Um, we were restricted, um, but we would be ferried on a speedboat every morning from whatever shore. So we had a nice little ride to begin with. I think of Frank Rich's sun hat flopping in the wind, you know, as he as he's zipping along there. Um, and we'd be given uh, a stateroom for the dressing room for the day. And the yacht's staff would come in in their uniforms and ask us what we would like. We go, is this really part of it? Did you get a taste for it, David? <laughs> it was a, per- a permanent staff of 28. Wow. They had a uh, skiff that was built it to be a miniature of the yacht itself. That was their, what's it called, where you go to the shore, your shore boat, whatever yeah. it was. Oh, like a tent tender limo. You know. It was a, originally uh, built by a Russian oligarch, so it was very gaudy, lots of gold. The helicopter landed on the heliport. There was a swimming pool, and we would slide through the waters near Dubrovnik, and it was <laughs> and, really wonderful. And every day on the way home, Sarah Snook <clears throat> would ask Dang. them to stop midway She's dive into the water because she's Australian and she's sporty. Yeah, these Australians, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And then she'd come back and we continue to show. Do either of you um, favor a speedo? Woof! No, <laughs> too I'm European fully for you. Yeah, you're, you, you go t-shirt <laughs> on top. No, 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 no. I wear a suit and a suit and a tie. I don't even. I don't even want this. You know, speaking of the show and speaking of Sarah Snook, my goodness, what a year she's having. She is just so good. It's ridiculous. Yeah, wonderful. She's the sort of a tomboy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she'll do, like this thing, she'll around the boat. I want to jump in. And then she says, things, then she just, just lies in the water. And she's she's absolutely delightful. Bubbly and um, always joking and terrific person. Good guy. We, we wanted to ask you about Norway, but could you bear with us? Sure. Let's talk about Hi, yourselves. Baby. And... We'll be back That's so okay. Just wow! To, okay, uh, to, to did... get into the into the spirit of it. What the hell? Oh, oh! This is a bit. We're doing a bit. <laughs> We're doing a bit. <laughs> Do you guys like it or is it too much? It's it's perfect. really cute. Jeff it's bought really them cute. today. <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> that is wonderful. We're just gonna really wear cute. them for like five minutes, and then we'll both start sweating. And we'll take them off. Do you do you have an awareness of how viral that shot of the the two of you outside the sauna in these grey bathrobes <laughs> went? No. Are, are you no. are you online? Are you seeing this? No. No. It was the moment that everyone was like, "These guys." No, I saw I saw one with 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 Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> 
along with it. Full circle for you, you know, Peter. Yes, it was full circle. I haven't seen And it. David, you genuinely don't know that I we, didn't, it was a big no. moment for people when you guys oh, were in your well, and you, God, Go you figure. know what? You're both living such happy lives, right? Like you're not just sat there Googling yourselves all the time. You didn't even know you went viral in your robes. It, it's very close to the time where I like to go out and walk along Broadway and make people stop and say hi to me. You know, so. <laughs> it was the thing from that episode. No. I've never Googled it. I don't know anything about any of it. So, That's so, you know, God, it's so healthy. I don't know. It what is. the hell? You know, it has its own life. It was interesting just to sort of, you know, when I did the uh, the publicity for the movie, you know, everybody was, oh, my God, oh, my God, like that. And that was fun for a while. But then I got really tired and went to a restaurant and the guy said, you're in succession. Okay, yeah. that's 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 enough. <laughs> you then. don't like that's it. Fine. You don't that, like it. I, I, was re- <laughs> I was really tired and... um I'm happy here with the beavers and the chipmunks and everything. Are you hot yet? Are you hot from the road? Well, yeah, 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 a little, little bit. Touch your tape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. You know, there was a lot of st- a lot of stuff that we said that was cut. As I said, he kills his darlings. You know, he is really as ruthless. And we did have a whole series of funny things to say, but it, it was really sort of a, a, a delightful spot to be in, sitting there and being able to comment on the action and that continues we we have more of that that coming up what happens to us in this next i'm not gonna say no but i'll just say this you won't be disappointed and you'll never guess what happens in the end okay you're not you're not going to well you're not going to you're leading into a little bit of an idea don't david you are making me anxious right now you feel like the guy who could blurt something out no 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 i don't remember the thing i don't remember do not let your friend I think you guys are friends. Can, can you give us? Friends. Can you give us three one. three emotions that we'll, we'll be feeling in the finale? Then? It will take you on a journey that you don't think you're going to take. Okay. Right? Uh, will Jeff? we feel rage? Jeff? No, 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 no. What about ennui? Ennui? Yes. Ennui. It's just it's it's wonderful where this thing uh, leads. It's very satisfying, and. Uh, God, he's good. I can't think of anyone else who's been lauded in some of the ways that Jesse Armstrong has been lauded, who seems to come across as normally as he does. I always say, never, never on that set, never is heard a discouraging word. Was that was that true in the beginning, or was there a little little friction in the beginning as it was working? No. no. The answer is absolutely not. No. I told him, fish stinks from the head, Jesse, and I'm afraid that's you. You know, okay. I mean, the whole, you know, whatever he is trickles down. And, you know, we t- the, the game on that set was you don't just do your job. You do it a thousand percent. So everybody is humping. What does the word humping really mean fun. to you? <laughs> We're working hard. Okay, work. fine. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay, it's the new uh, old camel it's not phrase. The when is the next time you're planning on socializing together, just the two of you? No, oh, let's imagine? talk about you that. You got to give the people yeah. what they want. We do sometimes. Love to, I, the people get a big kick out of seeing the two of you out for dinner. Well, yes, we'll, we'll yeah. just we'll give them that kick, and then, then you would get validated by them coming over and well, asking no, for selfies. Well, no, David doesn't like it. No, I don't like it when I'm tired. It's just like it, there's you, you're not in control of it. Is the thing somebody that came up to me and called me David Racial yesterday? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking thank you the time. Guys. Not at all. Lovely talking to. You. Love the bit. Thank you. Bye-bye. So we, we can push the leave button, but leave it on. Okay. All right. They were so good. Oh Do you know what I would buy tickets to? Go on. Like an evening with Peter Friedman and David Rashi, where they sit on a stage in two comfy chairs and swap anecdotes from their long 
careers. But let me tell you something. Those guys are a little too happy in their lives to put themselves through that kind of mm. stuff. We want that. But I don't think they need to be doing that at this stage of their careers. I was thinking so much about this fact that they didn't know that the robes thing was a thing. And what that says sort of about their engagement with fan response other than what their friends tell them or what they experience moving through the world. And because they've been a part of something so massive at this stage of their careers, they're not having to fucking strategize about it. You know what I mean? They're yes. not like, okay, this is this. How do we ride this wave? What do we do with this? They're just living in their great houses with what is clearly their age-appropriate wives. I have Googled. <laughs> just like living a good goddamn life. I bet their kids are all normal. Peter has one. David has three. I bet those are four normal fuckers. Do you think most of what you Google is the personal lives of famous people? I think that if you could do a thing on my computer where you counted the number of times that I've Googled Jesse Armstrong wife, it would be into the hundreds. I'm not saying like this season, but I bet across succession, I'm like, come on, I can figure this. And, and I, you, you can't get it. You can't get it. I'm sorry. Oh, so healthy. I want it to seep into my soul and help guide me in my own journey forward. Do you think it's realistic? No. Maybe if I had a non-depressive husband, it could be. Shall we have your favourite lines and turns of phrase from this week's episode? Yes, please. Ready? Let's go. Spitting poison like a fucking king cobra with an iPhone. I've got good arches. They've been remarked upon. What are you saying, all Aztecs are stupid? Don't be a racist little bitch about it. Bodega sushi? Are you insane? Okay, microwave milk and ginger shots, American bottled waters, spaghetti, and olive oil. How shall I frame my face? A little coup down in old Peru? Put me in a van in Tajikistan? Our fun guy in Uruguay? Cuspy? Flop your dick out, pop a nut, do something. I'm going to the bathroom to shit, would you like me to live stream it? I guess you're going to have to find some other poor mooks paps to suckle on. Maybe the poison drips through. Don't we long sometimes for something clean once in this polluted land? Yo, Hocus Potus, sitting in the POTUS position, what's up? Oh, that Mencken speech makes me feel dirty. Not something grubby with compromise. Something clean and true and refreshing. <sighs> We'll be back with Friday Sprinkles. Share your thoughts, share your feelings ahead of episode nine, Logan's funeral. Penultimate, baby. Church and state. Will the mourners there have to step through rioters and flames as society breaks down? Will there be someone inevitably dressed in like a loud colour to prove that they're mourning in their own way? Well, will Matson be there? And if so, will he pair his funeral suit with a deep scoops necked t-shirt? Oh my goodness. Or maybe that gold jacket. And will Mencken be too busy being president-elect to attend and send his apologies in the form of a condolence emoji, two eggplants and a coffin? Eggplant, eggplant, coffin. I bet it would go coffin, coffin, flag. I bet the coffin would replace the eggplant, not the flag. I would miss the eggplant. Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. Now go away. We've got a lot to do this week. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure you got to get on with it. So get away. Go. Go bye-bye. Work hard. Stay hydrated. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.